Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Right now. Yeah, that's Jess over there. That's Alex over there. And that's Minerva over there scratching on her post. Girl, we just told you. <laughs> You've been told. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. energy. Energy. Yes. That's uh, our, our call. Yes. <laughs> what was I just going to say? I literally like had something right at the tip of my tongue. And mm. then Minerva. Yeah. That happens with pets. Yeah. It's hard being a single parent. (laughs) That's what I hear. Yeah. So word on the street is at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It will come to you later. We'll we'll come back around. You know, I was telling you before we were recording that I think last time I was telling you about the show, the thing. Something about Pam. The thing about Pam. The thing about Pam. Yeah. And I didn't realize that was uh, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Until because like, I remember like I looked it up after we talked about it. And I'm like, that's Renee Zellweger. Yeah, it's very interesting. That, There's definitely like she's got a lot of makeup on. Prosthetics even maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely. And she definitely does like a specific voice. Which okay. is interesting because it doesn't necessarily match. Completely. Yeah. It's definitely. I mean, like the thing about with these, you know true story based dramas yeah is that you know they're still characters yeah they're not necessarily that person so it is interesting because i i saw clips of the actual person she is portraying and there's a different voice but it's not the one she's doing which is interesting but i also think it was a good character choice for the character so it's it's an interesting thing to think about but it's really it is a very well done show okay i do recommend it it's interesting because like there's a whole underlying dateline component to it. Mm-hmm. And they actually have the dateline guy narrating like how oh, nice dateline is narrated. <laughs> yeah. Which is really cool. So there's like a lot of interesting choices that are, you know, make it a little unique. Yeah. And the story is crazy. Yeah. Uh. That's all I'll say because I do not want to spoil anything. It was excellent. I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. I did remember what I was going to talk about. Ooh, yeah. Mainly because I got a whiff of it. <laughs> oh, no. I was like doing some spring cleaning and reorganizing my house. Mm-hmm. And I found this like tiny little sample size bottle of Cher's Eau de Couture. Ah, uh, yes. This perfume she put out a couple of years ago. I don't even know where I got this thing. But I was just like, what does this smell like? Because I remember not liking it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember why. And now I remember why. Ooh, what does it remind you? I love how scent is tied to memory, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like the strongest. Yeah. Of the, like, yeah. yeah. It's kind of giving grandma's bathroom. Like a little oh, bit of sure. baby powder, a little bit like kind of musky. Like there's probably a bowl of potpourri in the corner. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of those like toilet seat covers. It's either like carpet or knit, you know, like one of those fuzzy carpet or like fuzzy. And maybe yeah. even the cushy actual toilet seat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that energy for sure. That your butt sure. sticks to you when you stand up. Mm-hmm. And then some knickknacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely knickknacks. Yeah. That is what this perfume is giving me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not my vibe, but love this for whoever it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. A bad scent. It's, just, it's just not me. Yeah. I'm not grandma's bathroom. Yeah. Nor should you be. Yeah. You should be you. I am. <laughs> Everybody's got their own flavor yeah. of what they like scent wise. 
for the most part, no shade to anybody. Yeah. There might be a few out there that I highly disagree with. And it's not a bad sun. It's just not, in my opinion, a good one. Yeah. Because you, you, you were showing it to me before, too. So And plus, like, with people's body chemistry, like, no perfume is going to smell the same, uh, the same on two people. That's true, too. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's just me. I, like, douse myself in Florida water all the time now. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, like, one of my favorite smells lately. Love that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, very witchy. Yeah. But, no, it smells really good. Because it, it was originally... Uh, created as a clone okay yeah like back i think in the victorian era somewhere around I remember there you telling me about this mm-hmm. yeah yeah because it's like there's some essence of orange and like some other things in it i forget exactly what it's composed of yeah but yeah originally it was a perfume before it was anything else so okay you know yeah not sure why it's called florida water specifically Oranges. oh probably yeah <laughs> it makes a lot of sense you know back in the old victorian times they had to go travel yeah to get their oranges or have them brought i mean I guess we still have them shipped to us but they were probably a rich person fruit oh for a while i can imagine yeah know? actually probably most fruit unless it was like local local like i'm assuming apple was kind of like just the mainstay around the country everyone probably yeah. had apples yeah nobody's they... impressed by your apple a banana absolutely Bananas are tropical. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a rich person food probably back in the day because they had to come from. Peaches were a rich person food. I know that. Really? Oh, yeah. That was like a big deal to have a peach. Okay. Yeah. I do love a good peach. Yeah. That's why they're delicious. Although I prefer nectarine. Same. Mm -hmm. Less fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Or what's the, um, is a pluot the plum? No, that's not a plum peach. I know there's something called a blue eye. I think it's a okay. plum and a peach, but that doesn't make sense. They're good, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, stone fruit in general. I do love a good oh, stone yeah. fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cherry's technically one. Yeah. Yeah. I like cherries. Same. Especially the Rainier ones. Okay. Yeah. Those are really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like a classic Michigan cherry as well. Same. But I love the Rainier ones. It, like, I do with cherry season. I feel like... I have a harder time finding Michigan cherries than Washington cherries, which is weird to me. Oh, that is interesting. I, mean, I think maybe, I don't know if it's just like a Western thing or what. Well, I'm also almost wondering too, if Washington exports more, even though. That's true. You know, because most of Michigan's cherries are pretty they regional. Probably, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Tra- Traverse City yeah. has a bunch. They have the cherry festival every year. Yeah. I went to it once. <laughs> I've never been. I had a friend in college who was from there and I went to visit like her parents' house with her. That's probably the best way to go. Oh, it was. Yeah. She took me to all the places. We went on some hikes. She took me to, there is an old old asylum that they had just started renovating kind of like there was some stuff in it. I've read about that one. But now there's more stuff, I think. Yeah. 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 There's like a coffee shop in it and stuff. Yeah. 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 I think there's also maybe artist spaces, coffee. I think there's a church or something. I don't know. Like a community. Yeah. Mall space thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited now that it's getting warmer to go like wander around Michigan a bit more. Mm-hmm. I was in Grand Haven last weekend. Oh, okay. Just for a night. Yeah. It was Ricky's 30th. And okay. so he's dog sitting in an apartment sitting for his friend who lives in Grand Haven. So we all just went there and like mm-hmm. had a night in Grand Haven, just mainly like played board games and stuff okay yeah it was just nice being somewhere else in michigan oh for sure no i i can't wait for the summer i have same actual plans to go to the porcupine mountains which i'm super excited about yeah 
that's been on my list of things to see Michigan's mountains. Yeah. Yeah. See how they compare. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm not expecting them to compare to like oh, the no, Rockies for sure. or anything like that. But that being said, I'm excited to see them and do some hiking. And yeah, it'll still be gorgeous. Yeah, we planned it. So we're going to camp a few nights and then we're going to go to an Airbnb. That's the, the way to do it. last couple nights. Yeah, that has a sauna. So, uh, which is why we booked it because I'm going with roommate Lisa and yes. she was obsessed with this Airbnb and it has limited availability. So we had to kind of jump on it. Yeah. Very much looking forward to that. And then I'm also thinking, I'm just, I'm going to try to camp this summer as much as I can. Absolutely. Uh, that is kind of my plan too. I just mm-hmm. want to camp a lot. Although yeah. it's like getting harder and harder too, because everyone's all about camping all of a sudden. That's true. But I think there's still like a decent amount. Oh, yeah. And if you plan it correctly, it can be okay. Yeah. I'm more of a fan of like the um, state forest camping, yeah. which is first come first serve no matter what. There's no reservations for that. Uh, and then there's like the National Forest, uh, yeah. which in some spots, I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, because I was trying to find a spot where mm-hmm. you can just kind of like go and set up camp where you need to. Yeah, yeah. The benefit, though, to more people being into that kind of stuff, too, is there's more resources to True. find out information. True. Some of them are good. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are not quite there or not quite there yeah. in Michigan, we'll say. But I don't know. Michigan has a lot of camping. You just have to find yeah. it. And I'm not like partial to the really like popular campsites or anything. Same. Anyway. I hate when it's like a subdivision of tents. I yeah, hate it. That's not my vibe. So I've done it before and it's been fine. Oh, yeah. But like, and there's one preferred. Yeah. Like as far as like state parks are, because those are usually much closer campsites. There's a few of them, though, that are a little bit better spread out. Yeah. And not quite as like condensed next to each other. But then, yeah, there's. Some very popular ones where you are very close to your neighbor and right, not my vibe. So I, I usually always try to do like the state forest. Yeah. Where you might like know there's a neighbor. Right. See a fire a little bit away kind of yeah. a thing, but you're not yeah. shaking hands with them and. Uh, right. Hearing them yep. snore and yeah. eat whatever. Yeah. But sometimes also too, it's okay to go to ones where you have neighbors and stuff like that. Oh, like, no, for sure. It's all what your vibe is. But yeah, here on Manistee, that's also yes. a nice one. There's a lot of good campsites in there. I also just love a pine forest. Yeah, yeah. I went a couple summers ago there and it was beautiful. Yeah. We'll have to do a Detroit Strange camping trip because I don't think we've ever camped together. We haven't. We've talked about it. Yeah. And then not done it. So we should definitely. That's a trend for us. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the year we're making good at our promises. We are. We are. Like, oh, and we have to go to the DIA. So yes. that. Yes. We will find a time and we will go soon to the DIA. Yeah, it'll be great. And then camping after that. And then camping after that. Probably different times, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different activities. Yeah. We'll make a list or something. We will. Yeah. We are list people. Yeah. But no, if I go camping at least one to two times a month this summer, maybe that's my goal. Okay. With, a little, with hiking, obviously, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. No, that's not the best part. The best part's campfire cooking. I like the hiking and then campfire cooking. I like campfire cooking. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the hiking still wins out. Fair. For me. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their preference. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you ready to move back into the city from camping? Because I've got a story for you. I am. Yes. Okay. Today's story. Mm-hmm. Like, driving down Woodward. Have you seen that building that says Lakeshore Global at the top of it? Yes. 7300 Woodward. 
I did not know the address, but that is the address. Okay. That's not actually not the address. We'll get there in a minute. Okay. Which also, I thought it said Lakeshore Grill for the longest time. It was literally researching the story. I found it. It said Lakeshore Global. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. When would you guess that building was built? I don't know. Um, like a decade's fine, even. Okay. 1940. I don't know. I'm just making crap up. You're good. Because it was a, it's a hard question to answer because the answer is 1910. Okay. Yeah. Built in 1910, it was actually one of Ford's first like showrooms. Oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'll kind of get into it. So the year's 1910. Mm-hmm. And Ford Motor Company's on the up and up, you know, making their cars and what oh, they yeah. do. Vroom, vroom. Yeah. They just for some statistics, they increased their output from 1909 100% by making 20,000 cars a year. Mm-hmm. They were getting ready to open their Highland Park plant, which would only help them grow. Mm-hmm. First assembly line. Yeah. If I recall. Yeah. Yeah. They had about like 4,600 workers at this time and 6,000 salesmen. Mm-hmm. They were building the plant, but they needed a place to actually sell the cars. Makes sense. Which is kind of where this building comes in. So Ford had bought the land at the northeast corner of East Grand and Woodward for their new sales building. So like this was like the main showroom for Ford at this mm-hmm. time, like kind of like a proto dealership. So I don't even know if they had like dealerships back then, but probably not. I feel like cars were in catalogs or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure. But yeah. Yeah. So like early days of selling cars for sure. Yeah. So they, they're getting ready to build this building and the people in the neighborhood are like, mm, I don't know about this because it's it was that part of Detroit was all residential at the time. Uh-huh. But the courts were like, nah. We're going to zone for commercial and industrial. So, okay. Uh, they got Albert Kahn to do it. Naturally. Of course, mm-hmm. the architect of Detroit. Like, so the building was originally done in the Beaux Art style. So, kind of more like the Detroit Public Library, kind of mm-hmm. more ornate, yeah. obviously, with like a terracotta exterior. I mean, your showroom should be showy. So, exactly. That tracks. And I know you're probably thinking that building does not look anything. Like you think it would based off that description. No, I mean, I'm having a hard time picturing the whole thing, but yeah. It's just kind of like a big white rectangle. I more just remember the sign. Yeah. Because the rest is nondescript. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can blame the 60s for that one. Okay. (laughs) So the structure that's there now is eight stories tall, but the original was only four. Okay. And the original address of the building was 1550 Woodward before being renumbered 10 years later to 7310 Woodward. Okay. So Ford would continue to grow rapidly. For example, by 1913, they were making 24,000 cars a month, mm-hmm. up from 20,000 a year. Yeah, that's a huge. Yeah, big jump. So Ford's on the up and up. They're growing really big. And the building was too small at this point. So Com was brought back to add another four stories to the building. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's like, let's just, you know. Yeah. Just double it in height. It's a... Big undertaking in a short amount of time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Considering the building's only three years old at this point. Yeah. Oops. We didn't make it big enough. Right. Oh, our bad. Oops, too small. And there was a bit of a time crunch for this edition because they were holding the Detroit Automobile Dealers Association Auto Show. That was going to be held there in January of 1914. So is this like the first auto show, basically? 
one of the early ones. I don't know if it was the first, but okay. it was like one of the early auto shows. Like this isn't even the first year this sh- auto show happened because I think it's been happening before. Because of the new addition of the building, they were able to grow the attendance 60% from the year before. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So good move making the building bigger. Yeah. So we're going to need a bigger building. Yeah, exactly. So Ford would only continue to grow and grow as the decade went on, and they would kind of start moving towards Dearborn where they're at now. Mm-hmm. And as their operations started to move in their way, there wasn't as much need for this building. And only nine years after it was open, Ford sold it to Stormfelt's Lovely Co., which was a leading real estate company at the time. Oh, which probably makes more sense in a residential area. Yeah, yeah. So Stormfelt's Lovely decided to lease the building, marketing it as a, quote, automotive industry exchange, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> that sounds made up. Right. Good job, guys. I feel like that's how like the early 1900s are. Though. Like the magical elixir potion. Like they just had like 12,000 <laughs> more words than they needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's they're very flowery terms. Yes. The stupendous, marvelous automotive exchange corridor place. Mm-hmm. But. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> So Ford moved out and new tenants started moving in. The building was still home of the Detroit Automobiles. I hate this name. I hate this name so much. Ooh. Detroit Automobile Dealers Associated Show Auto Show. I, th- I think it's the last time I'm going to say it. Okay. Yeah. That auto show. The event had grown to take over five floors of the building in 1920, which made it twice as large as any other previous auto show. Okay. So just growing huge every year, basically. Yeah. The little car things, they really uh, taken off. What? Who would have thunk it? Right. It was reported that at that year, 1920, there were 75 cars from various automakers and 50 makes of trucks on display. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was kind of like the wild, wild west in the mm-hmm. early 1900s for cars. It was like... like Everybody was making cars. Yeah, Carhartt it's crazy. had cars. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's really... When you hear some of the names, it's very strange. And there's the so Hudson many... too? Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many that don't make, make them yeah. now. Studebaker? That's always yeah, a good one to say. Yeah, Studebaker is my, my favorite one to say. Yeah, it's just a great list. My parents used to talk about Studebaker. Like, I knew that word from like a very early age for some reason. Because my yeah. parents would have... Like, I don't know why they were talking about Studebakers. It just kind of like it's just a local term. Yeah. Well, I feel like my dad's uncle had a Studebaker or something, something like oh, that yeah. kind of a deal. But yeah. yeah. If you're feeling down, just say the word Studebaker and Studebaker. you'll feel instantly better. Yes. So over the years, tenants would move in and out of the building, both automotive and not. One of those automakers was Willis St. Clair, who opened a showroom in the building in May 1920. This company was led by C.H. Willis, who was Ford's first chief engineer and designer and his main claim to fame being the Ford logo that's still used today. Oh. His own automotive company like C.H. Willis wouldn't be quite as successful as Ford uh, and they would stop making cars just seven years later in 1927. I mean, I mean, it's probably a very expensive. Yeah. It definitely, definitely. The ROI. Because it's just like there's so many parts in a car too that you have to like figure out how to get all those parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I'm not starting an emotive company anytime soon. Uh, nor am I ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some other cars that showed up in the building are companies Columbia 6, which I'd never heard of, Mm-mm. and then Packard, which obviously. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1926, Khan was brought back once again to add 
to like to the newly renamed Stormfelt's lovely building, like add to it and renovate. Oh, again. Yeah. So this time an arcade was added. Fun. Yeah. Not like but a, that, I know. Yeah. I know. Just like a I basically just, like yeah. a, a large hallway. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it saw another kind of trade show taking place in the building. Another one with a horrible name. Ooh. It was the oil burner and electric refrigeration trade show. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Hot things in the early 1900s. And cold things. Yeah. Hot and cold. Yeah. They're yes, then they're no. I was just about to go there. I'm so happy you did. <laughs> in the new out. out. Up the new down. I used to love that song. You're wrong when it's right. You're black and it's white. Fight, we break up. Kiss, we make up. Okay. <laughs> Any more Katy Perry's coming for us. <laughs> Some other tenants of the building in the 20s include Michigan State Farms and Land Bureau, Wolverine Aluminum Co., Textile Bag Manufacturers Association, National Science Service Co., uh, United Master Steam Fitters and Plumbers Association. So basically like every industrial trade that could right. tried that building out for a while. But now we're getting to the fun ones. Okay. There's been some weird stuff in there. Okay. So in 1931, the top floor of the building was converted into an 18-hole golf course. Interesting. Yeah. It was known as the Grandwood Indoor Golf School. And the course was... Oh, it was a school? It was a school okay. to learn how to golf. Oh. Uh, the course was complete with 250 live trees, water, and sand traps. What? <laughs> yeah. And they would even start to host golf tournaments and become home to an indoor golf club. That's so, so bizarre. You could buy a car and play a whole role in the golf. Yeah. Uh, in 1932, radio station WMBC which was also known at the time as the Michigan Broadcast Company, moved in. They would have their own orchestra in the building to perform for listeners. Okay. So there's a golf course and an orchestra now in there. And the station, I think, is still around today as WJLB-FM. I don't think they're still in that building, but I think the station's still around. Yeah. The Del Mar Beauty School would open in the building in 1935 and remain there for decades. Okay. Also, to add to the golf course, in 1938, the Detroit Archers Indoor Range would open on the fifth floor. That seems so dangerous inside. Um, That doesn't seem like a great idea. Yeah. I'm flabbergasted at trying to think of that. This building just has had so many lives. Yeah. So now we're moving into the late 30s and early 40s. And of course, World War II. Mm -hmm. Uh, 1939, the name was changed again to the Boulevard Building. Simple. Yeah. Straight to the point. Yeah. In 1942, the golf course would close, unfortunately, so the Office of Production Management could use it for the war effort. Makes sense. Yeah. I was going to ask if something Yeah. The golf course would not come back after the war, unfortunately, again. In 1946, the Office of Production Management was replaced by the U.S. Employment Service and the Civilian Production Administration. In 1947, the government would just straight up buy the building to house government unemployment offices and further down the line, the State State Department of Labor, Michigan Employment Security Commission. A lot of government stuff, basically. Just a shit ton. It's a government building now. Went from golf course to government. Naturally. Yep. Just working the way through the alphabet. Archery, <laughs> you know. 
1952, the state government would buy it from the federal government and it would continue to be a home for random government offices, usually associated with employment. Mm-hmm. Although in 1962, the Defense Contract Information Center would open to teach Michiganers how to get federal contracts. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know there was a thing. No. Didn't know there was an office. I don't know if it's still an office, but. No. So I mentioned that the building originally looked very different. Yeah. So here's why. So like it had this beautiful terracotta exterior, you know, bow art style, lovely. Mm-hmm. But in March 1963, an old Briggs plant that was in government possession for unpaid taxes broke out into a major fire that destroyed surrounding buildings, including a Catholic church. Oh. Briggs was nowhere near this, but here's how it relates. People were pissed, Mm -hmm. obviously. Shit's burning down. And the mayor needed something to blame, and he pointed his finger at the state for not taking care of the buildings they own properly. Okay. And so the Boulevard building just kind of became a scapegoat in all of this because a piece of the building's cornice fell off in like late 1962, early 1963. Mm -hmm. They're just like, see, see, it's bad. It's bad. Do the thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The state was now feeling pressure from the city from the claims of poor stewardship of their buildings. And because of this, in 1963, the state would decide to rip off what was left of the terracotta facade and just get rid of it instead of just repairing it. Okay. Probably a lot cheaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, Albert Kahn was brought back to do that job too. And he modernized the outside structure. It seems unnecessary, but okay. Yeah. It seems like... I'm Architect sure he didn't need right. the work at the time, but... Right. I he guess didn't... it was his building though, so... He, he probably knew it, like, like the back... Well, I don't know, he made a lot of buildings, but... Yeah. I guess it makes sense. Just at this point, you've used him three times before this. Why not a fourth? Yeah. So wait, how old would he have been by that point too? Sorry, that just occurred to me. Yeah. I feel like he just lived forever. He did. He lived. I know we talked about him the one time, but I can't remember the dates. He was born like, I think around like the turn of the century. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Look it up real quick. Well, if he was building buildings in the 1910s. He was. Oh. I don't, maybe it was Albert Kahn and Associates oh, were okay. brought in. That makes more sense. Because looking at now, he was born in 1869 in Germany and died in 1942 in okay. Detroit. Okay, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I glad know. You I mean, asked, <laughs> so there's saved me a correction for next week. Yeah. I was just like, how I, old was this man? He I made definitely everything. had that thought too. And I was like, oh, yeah, of he course. He was older. Yeah. He was real young for the one and eternal, eternally living yeah. architect. Yeah. So now the change slows down a bit and it kind of remains the same or similar for the next 30-ish years with different government offices coming and going until 1996. What happened in 96? General Motors bought the Rensen. The yes. government bought the what is now known as Cadillac Place, which is the former GM headquarters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't need this building anymore. And so they kind of just like bought that, started moving offices out. Mm-hmm. And kind of just like put that up on the market. And so after a few years, the building was bought by the Sky Group, who is the parent organization of Lakeshore Global. Okay. That's how their name got on the building. And this is about the time I realized it was Lakeshore Global and not Lakeshore Grill. Okay. I don't know why for so long I was like, yeah, Lakeshore Grill. You just That's really weird. wanted it to be a giant restaurant, apparently. Well, just like, <laughs> or a, it must or just a be grill like on manufacturer. The, right. I was just like, just, I don't know, something about it. 
You're like, I love a good backyard barbecue. Right. Uh, so in 2014, the building was included in the Jam Handy North and East Grand Boulevard Local Historic District. Okay. These names are killing me today. <laughs> in 2018, Lakeshore sold the building to The Platform, which is a Detroit-based real estate developer that also owns the Fisher Building, but Lakeshore is still a tenant. And also, they made the strange choice to rename the building yet again to 7300 Woodward, despite the mailing address still being 7310. That's very confusing. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. I don't like that. Right. I wonder how many letters get lost because people just assume yeah. so many. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the story of 7300 Woodward. Interesting. Yeah. I just like stumbled across some like articles about it on mm-hmm. histor- like all those sources right now. HistoricDetroit.org, which is where a lot of this came from, mm-hmm. but also the Detroit Public Library Digital Collections and... I have some photos from the Detroit Historical Society. I'm not sure if I can post them on our Instagram, but... You can. You think? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll credit you, Detroit Historical Society, here and now. The photos are from there, or at least some of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just like... I drive past this building all the time, especially now that I'm mm-hmm. like in the city more often. And I just saw this article and I was like, 1910? What the fuck? Because it does <laughs> not look that old. No, the only reason, honestly, I, well, I couldn't remember the facade. Like I said, yeah. I was like, it's nothing special though. Yeah. And so I was like, so it's not going to be early 1900s. Cause yeah, everything was like super ornate and like, yeah. avant, not avant-garde, but opulent. Yes. And all that kind of stuff. I think I just guessed the forties. Cause I was like, well, if it was at right after the war, I should have guessed the fifties, but if it was right after the war, maybe yeah. things were boring. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's just like. Because it does just look like a really boring building from the outside. But like on the inside, there's still like a lot of cons details. And okay. like, like you know, kind of like arched ceilings and mm-hmm. like the inside, you could definitely tell. But the outside. Okay. Is it like vaulted ceilings, like cathedral style? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not like super high vaulted, more yeah. Romanesque than Gothic for the okay. arches. But uh, yeah. Yep. Conversation only we would have. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so I just like, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Snap people when they're driving down Woodward and they see that building. Oh, yeah. No, I love all. There's like a lot of buildings that when I drive, I'm like, I have no idea. And then I aptly forget to write it down or do anything because I'm driving. Yeah. Uh, So I forget to think about it later. But no, I love I love learning about those things that I forget to look up. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. No problem. Coming in strong with that architecture knowledge. You know how I love a building. I do. And I love that you love buildings. Yes. I love buildings too, but it never occurs to me to like go that deep. So I'm I'm glad to learn that the many hats that that building has worn. Yes. I think the golf course is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I just, I can't imagine that in a building. Right. I mean, unless it's like glow in the dark putt putt. <laughs> right. The fact they had that many trees in there too boggles the mind. How did they keep them alive? A watering can, perhaps? <laughs> no, I'm, th- I'm thinking like sunlight. I mean, like, yes, oh. you have windows, but like, I would imagine a tree requires more than your average window. Maybe it's probably better than to have a ton of sunlight so they aren't growing like huge. Maybe they're like just barely alive. Maybe. Because it was also like... But how did they root into things too then? Tree roots are like... That's true. Deep. Yeah. How did they talk to the mushrooms? I don't think they were mushrooms, oh. which is unfortunate. I love that trees talk to mushrooms, by the way. It's like 
one of those things I never thought about, but learned in the past like couple of years that just fascinates me. I'm like, mushrooms talk to each other and trees talk. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It's very interesting when you like kind of like look at ecosystems and how everything in them interact and how it is all kind of related. Oh yeah. There was somebody on TikTok for a while that I was following that would hook up some sort of like electrical thing that would get like pulses, like would um, record pulses. Yeah. And he hooked it up to like a first generation iPod or something like that. Yeah. And then it would send sounds through it that he could play, like record. Yeah. And like play on a speaker. Every plant sounded different. Oh, I love and that. There was just like these really interesting tones. I'll try to find some of it because it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. But those trees couldn't have done that on that building. No. They were sad, disconnected yeah. trees. Their, their sound was probably like this. It was tree jail. Their sound was probably like. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> oh, no, but thank you. Interesting. No problem. Well, just to shift gears a little bit here. Yes. I've got a randomized two truths and a lie for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these are all from Reader's Digest, rd.com. Okay. Uh, just a list of interesting facts, and I chose three of them. Okay. So, number one, avocados are actually named after testicles. Okay. Number two, only a quarter of the Sahara Desert is sandy. Okay. And number three, the inventor of the microwave appliance received only $75 for his discovery. I'm going to go with number two is the lie. Number two is true. Actually, most of the Sahara Desert is covered in gravel, but it also contains mountains and oases. Which I it's guess like is a the pluralization. Desert, just like gravel, just like walking <laughs> across gravel. Mm-hmm. And it actually isn't the world's largest desert because Antarctica is. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that one. Okay. Well, I'm glad I didn't use that. Okay. So avocado testicles mm-hmm. and microwave $75. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the microwave one next. That one is the lie. And it's a lie because the inventor of the microwave appliance received only $2 for his discovery. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, his name was Percy Spencer, and he was working as a researcher for American Appliance Company, which is now Raytheon. Okay. And he noticed that a radar set using electromagnetic waves melted the candy bar in his pocket. So he then had the idea to make a metal box using microwaves. Uh Uh-huh. I have to say it like that. Yes. Because it's not the actual appliance yet. Uh, to heat food, but the company was the one to file the patent. So that was in 1945, and he received a $2 bonus, but never any royalties for his discovery. Oh, that sucks. I know. I was like, oh, no. Poor guy. Yeah. And so, yeah, avocados, just to shed a little bit of light on that. Uh, Indigenous people of Mexico and Central America use the, and I might say this word wrong, Nahuatl. Okay. Uh, and it was ahucato, meaning to, to mean both testicles and avocado. Okay. Uh, and the fruits were originally marked as alligator pears in the United States. Until the I love stuck. that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Of course they were. Yep. 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 Yeah. Alligator pears. I got to go to the store and get some alligator pears. I'm making guacamole tonight. Oh, they wouldn't have called it guac. They would have called it like green salsa, green chunky salsa. Would they have even said salsa? Green chunky chip dip. Yeah. 
Something new to put your Fritos in. Alligator snot. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love random fun facts sometimes. Me too. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Now I've learned three things today. Absolutely. <laughs> Same. Four things if you count Antarctica, because I didn't know that. Fair. Mm-hmm. Well. Yes. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I think that means we are wrapped like an alligator pear in a box. Mm-hmm. With shipped to a US. lot of other alligator pears. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to go a little off here. If you want to support the show. Yeah. You know what to do. Do the things. Do all the things. We won't tell you every time. We we'll remind you sometimes. We got but, you know, paid, or, yeah. yeah. You know the things. Yeah. Follow us on social media, Detroit Strange, everywhere. And, you know, tell a friend. All that kind of fun stuff. Drop us a line. Tell a friend. Yeah. All the neat things. And uh, you know what? I think. Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.